Section 33 of From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by May Rose. From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Burpee Miller. The Legend of William Tell by Swiss. Many years ago, the free and sturdy people who lived in the quaint little villages among the mountains of Switzerland were ground down beneath the heel of the Emperor of Austria, encumbered by Austrian bailiffs with the greatest cruelty and oppression. The most devoted patriots of the four forest cantons of Switzerland met, therefore, and determined to rise up and strike for their freedom. One moonlit night of October 1307, a little band of these faithful men met on the Rultai, a small plateau overlooking the gleaming waters of the beautiful lake of Lucerin. Beneath the open sky, and in sight of the glistening snow-capped peaks that loom above the lake, the three leaders of that little band clasped hands, raised three fingers to heaven, and solemnly swore to shake off the yoke of Austria. Among the patriots who took the oath upon Rultai was a young man named William Tell, who was noted far and wide for his skill with the crossbow and arrows. Strong and sure-footed was Tell, and he delighted in pursuing the chamois over almost inaccessible heights, or plucking the snowy flower of the Eldus from the edge of some dangerous precipice. With his wife and two little sons, Tell lived in cosy chalet at Berglin in the canton of Uri. About this time it came to pass that Gessler, an Austrian bailiff, determined to ascertain by clever device how many men in Uri were loyal to his master. He therefore set up a pole in the quaint old marketplace of the village of Altorf. On this pole he hung a hat, the emblem of Austrian power and he bade a herald proclaim that all who passed must do homage to that hat, under penalty of death or lifelong imprisonment. The freemen of Uri were justly incensed when they heard this decree, and by commission consent avoided passing through the square. Those who must go that way made use of every possible excuse to avoid bending their heads to the hat. Now, at this time, Tell, living in his quiet chalet at some distance from Altorf, was ignorant of all that had recently happened there. One day he came down to the village, bearing his crossbow over his shoulder and holding his little son by his hand. Unconscious alike of pole, hat, and guards, he strolled across the square and was greatly surprised when suddenly a throng of soldiers surrounded him and placed him under arrest crying out that he had defied the orders of Gessler. While Tell was protesting his innocence and striving to make the guards release him, he saw Gessler himself approaching on horseback around one of the quaintly painted houses that bordered on the square. Going at once to the bailiff, Tell loudly demanded justice. In the midst of a gathering crowd, the bailiff listened, sneering. It happened, however, that Gessler had often heard men praise the remarkable skill of Tell as a marksman, and he had long desired to see how well the man could shoot. Moreover, he wished to punish Tell in as cruel a way as he could devise for his neglect of the cap in order to make him an example to the other rebellious inhabitants of Altorf. 
Therefore he thundered forth, You shall be free on one condition only. If you shoot an apple from the head of your son at a distance of one hundred and fifty paces. The people who stood about gasped, and a murmur of indignation went up from all the crowd. But so great was the fear that Gessler had inspired in them all that no one dared interfere. Tell himself, a moment before so confident and self-possessed, seemed suddenly to collapse at hearing the bailiff's words. Gessler could have thought of nothing more cruel than this to insist that the father must shoot at his own little son. "'Place any other punishment upon me,' cried Tell. "'What if the boy should move? What if my hand should tremble?' "'Say no more,' cried Gessler. "'Shoot!' Tell was in despair, but the little lad, his face bright with perfect trust, ran and stood against a linden tree at one end of the square. "'Shoot, father,' he cried. "'Shoot!' I know you can hit the apple. The boy's absolute and fearless confidence determined Tell. Yet he still trembled as he selected two arrows from his quiver, while a soldier took an apple from a fruit vendor who stood near and placed it on the boy's head. One arrow Tell thrust hastily in his belt, the other he carefully adjusted in his crossbow. For a moment, his eyes followed the distinct line of the snow-capped mountains, resting to gather strength on their calm and quiet peaks. Then his hand grew steady, and he took aim. Twang! went the bow. The arrow whistled through the air. All noise in the square was stilled, and everyone held his breath. But lo! the arrow struck the apple squarely in the center, split it, and carried it away. The boy had not moved a hair's breath. A mighty shout went up from the crowd. But as Tell was turning away, Gessler pointed to the second arrow, which the marksman had stuck in his belt. Fellow, cried he, what did you mean to do with that arrow? Tyrant, was Tell's proud answer. That second arrow was for you, if I had struck my child. Beside himself with rage at these bold words, Gessler angrily bade his guards to bind Tell fast, and convey him down to his waiting-boat at Fluhen, where he should be carried across the lake and cast into the foulest of dungeons. Friends led the little boy away, but in the train of the tyrant, Tell was marched in chains down to the edge of the lake of Lustream. Placed in the boat, with fast-bound hands and feet, his useless weapons beside him, Tell despairingly watched the bailiff embark, and the shore near Altorf slowly recede. Soon, however, clouds began to hide the sun and rule over the pure white peaks. The ripples in the water grew into waves. The sky grew darker and darker. At last there broke a mighty storm on the little boat. Thunder crashed, the water heaved, and dashed in angry foam, and lightning streaked from shore to shore. In vain did the Austrians try to guide the boat through the tempest. They were not well enough acquainted with the lake. Then the boatsman, knowing well that Tell was the most clever steersman in the canton of Rye, began to implore to Gessler to let him be unbound in order to help them. In a voice that could scarcely be heard above the shriek of the storm, Gessler cried, Unloose the prisoner's chains, let him take up the helm. Accordingly, Tell was unbound. He seized the helm, 
and the boat went plunging forward. With a strong arm and fearless gaze, he directed it straight towards a narrow ledge of rock, which forms a natural landing place in the mighty cliffs that at this point rise up sheer from the lake. The water there is seven hundred feet deep, but as the boat drew near and a sudden flash of lightning revealed the spot, Tell suddenly let go of the rudder and with one mighty leap sprang from the pitching boat across the seething waves to the shore. There were angry cries from the lake, but Gessler's boat went drifting off into the darkness again, hurled back wildly tossing among the waves. Tell made his way straight around the lake to a spot that the Gessler would have to pass on his way home after his landing. There, crouching in the bushes on the steep bank, he waited patiently to see whether the tyrant would escape the storm. At length the bailiff appeared, riding proudly at the head of his troops. Then Tell took his second arrow, the arrow that he had meant should wipe out the tyranny from Switzerland. As Gessler passed by, he let the arrow fly, and true to its mark it sped. Gessler fell, and with him Austria's reign of tyranny. For the Swiss people, encouraged at hearing what Tell had done, threw off the fear that had bound them, rose up, and made Switzerland once more free. End of section 33 The Legend of William Tell